we're, we're looking at Luke, the 15th chapter. It's a familiar story. You said, I heard that. I heard this already. You see? Matter of fact, you preached it 18 times, you know. <laughs> yeah, so this, yeah, this is number 19 then. Because each time when we look at God's word, we want to look at it from a different angle. And the purpose of our looking at it from a different angle is we want you to, I want to bring you into it so that you'll make a personal application. So um, that's where we're headed. So before I even click this, go ahead and let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for our time together that we've spent to the course of this week in preparation. Thank you for the insights. And I just pray, Lord, that you give me a recall on some things that's not exactly on the PowerPoint or whatever the case might be. But that help us to have this as a learning experience. As we go through this, great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. Well, as we come to God's word, we, um, we're looking at the prodigal son. Um, and I put that there because I have a, I have a double uh, statement here. But first I want to look, look at the prodigal. The word prodigal means wasteful. What does it mean? When you see the word prodigal, that's what it means, the wasteful son. And then from there, we look at lessons from the hard place. This morning, see, he didn't learn going out. <laughs> he learned before he came back. And sometimes we think the hard place is hard times. Every one of you, one way or another, is in a hard place. Okay. So we have to understand what hard place is, you see, and what it does, and how you respond, and how God would help you. But every one of us are confronted with or in a hard place. It could be medical. It can be relational. It can be a number of things. But you're, you're in that hard place. And sometimes we don't want to talk about it um, because a lot of times the hard place, and you're getting ahead of myself, a hard place is not that you put yourself in it. Sometimes God puts you in it for development. Okay. So use the prodigal son as, as a storyline as we go through this, um, this passage of scripture, and it's uh, from 11 to 24. Uh, uh, and so let's get going here. Luke 15, 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he uh, sent him into his fields to feed swine. A Jewish boy feeding pigs. Whoa. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him what? He went out with everything, and no one would give him what? How did you get, how do you get there where you want pig's food, you know, and nobody else want to give you anything, you know. And one thing, one thing you had to, to understand, uh, you don't accidentally flip into a hard place. Okay, hard places is not an accident, you know. I had an accident today. What, I just fell into a hard place. No, 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 no. Either God purposed it or you were hard-headed. Okay, so. 
let's begin to uh, do some uh, uh, evaluation here. Of course, I keep putting this up. There will never be another you. And I just keep saying it. Saying it. After a while, I'll stop saying it. But I want to really get it in your mind. There will never be another you. You're it. God chose you and designed you for eternity. There will never, never be another you. So you better be the best you that you, you should be. You see? Because God will not make another you. So what do you look like? Or are you in the hard place? Okay. Um, so we, uh, as we go through, then defining the term. The hard place is a condition or environment for confinement, for cleansing, for condemnation, for challenge, for correction, for change, for conformity. I want to put that out there for you, just kind of lay it out there for you. If I just said it, but I'm, I'm glad the PowerPoint's kind of put up here. If you're in a hard place, stay away from pity parties. You're not going anywhere. The hard place is there to do something in you and for you. You have to go there. And you get this now. You're not going to just walk out of it. So some folks think, well, you know, I'm in a hard place and things are going wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and I'm going to commit suicide. So you think that you're getting out of the hard place? Now you're showing up in a hard place. You see, so then what God is saying is this, is that I want you to understand that when you're in a hard place, some of these things, not maybe not all of those, but some of those dynamics and wherever you are, if you're in, in an area of frustration or, or you're in an area where you just feel like you're stuck, you feel like no one understands you, whatever the case may be, whatever your hard place, maybe sickness, maybe, again, maybe a relational situation, it may be like an impossible situation, whatever it is, pay attention to the prodigal son and maybe he can help us in this process. So confinement, Cleansing, condemnation, challenge, correction, change, conformity. In our introduction then, there are many individuals who had to experience the hard place, but it's, it, uh, its, end, it end, its end has always been to glorify God. Job was in a hard place. Are we in agreement? If Job was here, he said, hey, I was in a hard place. It happened on an ordinary day. Sometimes our hard places happen on an ordinary day. Okay? And sometimes it'll strip you of everything. You know the danger, though? The danger is to hear me and think that won't happen to me. I haven't experienced that yet. Keep living. Keep living. Here's another one. Joseph Brothers. Put him in a hard place. Uh, Joseph did need some maturing, but I mean, he's going around with his coat saying, you know, look what God, my father, they're giving me, you know. And it says, and they hated him. They hated him. And so um, they threw him through this pitiful individual into a pit, you know, and, but there was no water in it to kill him. Moses is in a hard place. He tried to do it his way, it didn't work out. And uh, for 40 years, backside of the desert, 
in the hard place. Esther in a hard place. He says, maybe God did for you this particular time. Maybe you have God raised you up for this particular time to do this. But if you don't, God will find somebody else to raise up. But right now, you're in a hard place. Your Jewish nation is going to be wiped out. You're in a safe place with, with, the, with the king, but the rest of your people will be wiped out. This, this Haman is, is, is going to do this thing. What should you do? Jonah, you have hard-headed people. And just now we focus, that's why I just kind of put these names. Uh, you have all these various individuals in hard place. Jonah heard the word of God, and he decided he'll walk away and do what he wanted to do. Are, are you in that situation too? God, you know what God wants you to do, and you decide, <laughs> I'm going over to a different direction. And the Lord says, you, you don't know how to play chess. You don't even know how to play checkers. And your arm is too short to box with me. Now, why? You see, but, but that's another story, another situation. Okay. The hard places in our life is not designed to destroy us, but to what? Refine and redirect our concept, attitudes, and actions. When God permits us to go into a hard place, it's supposed to bring about a change. There's, in a lot of situations, a hard place can be called, you may be familiar with this, it's called a crisis. Whenever you run into a crisis situation, once you go, go into the crisis, it will never be the same. It will what? Never be the same. And when you go into a crisis, you're going to go into a pit like this. Why did it happen to me? I don't believe this has happened to me. Why is I'm the only one going through this? I mean, when, you, when you're going through a crisis, you see, uh, that's where you can get depressed and everything else. Be careful. Be careful when you run into a crisis in your life. But nothing is designed, not a child of God. If God wanted to destroy you, you don't have to bring up a, a crisis. He can just take you out of here. And those of you who think you're smart, he'll give you a brain aneurysm. Boom. I mean, all that we're existing right now is because God is good. So... Thinking it through. There are several things we can glean from the story of the prodigal son. One, what is it? And that's from verses 11 through 16. A reality check. Number two, the reasoning. Next, the resolution. Then next, the renewal. I timed this, folks, so you won't be here all day. But I just wanted to let you look at, just kind of take you through the steps here. Because the first thing that uh, happens when you're in uh, a place like this, we, we call it the, the, the um, reality check. And that will take it from 11 to 16. So, of course, we have to do whatever reading is necessary. His demand. Notice this period of provision and inheritance. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of, of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. 
So he divided to them his livelihood. Can, can you imagine your child? Well, they know that you've written up a will. So give me what you wrote in the will right now. <laughs> give me your money, what you work for and everything else. Give it to me right now. Notice there is, notice number one, the arrogance of this. His approach to his father. He didn't say, dear, dear father, it's my desire to leave and will you please give me what belongs to me? Uh, I mean, his tone. But please don't put him down. There's sometimes our tone with God is not where it should be. And so we, when we, next time you pray the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day. No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Don't you approach me like that. You know? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. come. That the approach is very important. Then the next thing you know, his depletion. First his demand. Let's look at his depletion. It says, there was a period of deliberate separation and freedom with an inevitable outcome. And not many days after, it didn't say months, did it? Days after the young uh, uh, son gathered all together the journey to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He gathered everything that belonged to him that his father gave to him. And then he went to a far, I want to I just get away from home and do my own thing. Let me, let me get back here. Take it on back. And do my own thing. That's what I'm going to do. I'll just go around. But it says, and he wasted. A lot of times you want to get on your own, but you don't know what to do when you get on your own. That's why we talk about experience. Now, of course, I understand now there's a lot of college students, once they get out of college, they come back home and look like they'll never go, you know. And, and you're praying like Jesus, Lord, if, you, if it be, let this cup pass from me. And they, they're just, and they just keep hanging in there and staying in there. But, but here he, you know, he, uh, he left and he probably assumed that what he had, you know, I don't know, what, what, what were you thinking future? Were you ever thinking that, that what you had in your hand would run out? Th that there should be a flow of something coming in? That if nothing's coming in, you're like the Dead Sea? That it's all, you're, listen, you're pour pouring everything out and there's nothing coming in. And it's not phasing him at all. And the, the idea says wasteful living. Instead of buying one of these, give me ten of these and uh, Set it up for everybody in the house. Everybody love a person that's go, go around just giving out stuff. As long as it doesn't cost them anything. Right. Then we come to this, his desperation. When we look at his desperation, then we, we, we see this. There was a period of disappointment and emotional drain. Let's read it together. But when he spent, spent all, what did he do? What did he do? Okay. There arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to. He spent all. He didn't expect a severe famine in the land. And guess what? He began to be in what? 
want. You know, people get very uh, picky about, you know, uh, there's certain type of foods I just don't eat. You know, I, I don't touch that and I don't touch that. And for me, when I go out, I ask for some filet mignon, uh, duck under glass. You get hungry and you have been hungry for days. If I bring a peanut butter sandwich, you'll be so thankful and you'll eat it so fast you'll probably choke on it. Because it's amazing what happens when you're in want. When your body cries out, give me what's needed. And he is in a place where he can't do it. And now he's desperate and, and he needs to get there. Then, I like that word then, it keeps the story moving. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swines, pigs. Now I'm going some. I'm giving the story. I'm going somewhere with all of this now. Just follow the storyline. We're laying out the canvas here, okay? Um, and so he's feeding the, the pigs and what have you. And he would uh, gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave to him. There was a serious crisis that could not be ignored. The experience of the prodigal son was not an avoidable, uh, uh, avoidable accident. It was the result of his choice. Are we all in agreement? He chose to leave his father. His father didn't put him out. And when he left his father, I want you to hear the word. Give me what belongs to me. And mine, you hear this, you know, this personal pronoun, and my everything is that me type of thing. If you coming in here this morning, you got a me thing hanging around you, you better take it off. Or you're going to be in a hard place very quickly. The reasoning, verse 17. We come to the reasoning, and as we look at the reasoning, it says, but when he, has came, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. It is possible to change the influence of our hard place by establishing a reality check. He all of a sudden came to himself, came to his senses and said, you know what? I don't think I can make this. I was telling my parents I was going to do this and I was going to do that, but you know what? I, I'm not going to make this. I wish that he had made the reality check before he asked his dad. But some go through, remember the various schools, the school of observation, the school of advice, and then the school of experience. A lot of times people, uh, you, you see what's happening to other folks, and you say, boy, that's bad. And then people advise you, you're going the right way. Still won't listen. Until finally the Lord says, okay, you're going to graduate in this school. The next school is called the hard place. It is impossible to change the influence of our hard place. It is possible, rather, to change the uh, influence of our heart place by establishing a reality check. Let's go with reality check. 
Let's read it. Remember what I said earlier that you're one of a kind? If you're in a hard place right now, like, what is it? Uh, I'm trying to think which one. The mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of the wall? Snow, is it Snow White? One of them. Oh, anyway, the whole idea is this. Uh, anyway, it's saying this. You go to your mirror, because you already go to your mirror. And I don't care if it's every morning. I want you to remember something. I'm better than this. Why do you think God wants us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I'm better than this. Why is it that God does not want us to hold grudges in our lives? I'm better than this. Why is it that I cannot, I dare not think that I'm better than anybody else? Because where God put me, I'm better than this. I should be thinking like that. Why is it, well, I had the opportunity, why is it when it comes down to, to my, uh, my ties, I don't put a, a dime or a dollar in? I'm better than this. And until we actually have that ingrained in our soul, you're going to repeat the hard place. Ch check it out in scripture. The various ones that are gone through. Check out Job. Yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You know, he, and he was saying, and he kept on saying, you know what? I'm so good. I'm going to put my righteousness on my shoulder. I'm going to tell, I'm going to walk before God. And God said, no, 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 no. Smack. <laughs> and for one whole year, one, one of the physicians was saying that it was elephantitis. His, 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 all of his skin and everything else that was drying up on him. He had to scrape it and he had on the garbage. He was there for one whole year. The flies and, and his enemy's children were throwing rocks at him in the daytime. But through all of this, you know what he said? Yea, do he slay me. Yet will I trust him. I'm better than this. I'm better than this. The next one. You can go as fast as you want to, but let me tell you something. You're still going nowhere. With, you, with your attitude and all these other things. In the hard place, if you don't change your thinking, you're going nowhere fast. It won't be long for folks who will not want to be around you. It's one thing for them not to be around you because you're talking about the Lord. It's another because you're in a hard place and you won't listen to anybody. And you're still where you are. Wake up. Next one. I'm in an unnecessary place. I can imagine the prodigal son saying, I'm better than this. I'm going nowhere fast. I'm in an unnecessary place. And sometimes, believers, I find that we can be in an unnecessary place. Unnecessary place. Next. I'm alone. I'm the only one. I, I, nobody threw me in here. I didn't trip in here. I alone. Remember what, what, remember what David said uh, in, in Psalms, I think it was 51, where he talked about the Lord. Against thee and thee alone have I sinned. 
He says, the whole Bible tells us, if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is, the Lord said, listen, you have to come to the point of being honest with yourself. And folks coming in constantly. And the first one of the questions I ask them is, do you tell the truth all the time? You can imagine some of the uh, responses. Well, uh, I try to tell the truth. I didn't ask you that. I asked you, do you tell the truth all the time? And then they go on to, well, uh, nobody actually tells the truth all the time. I didn't, I didn't ask about all the other folks. I'm just asking you, do you tell the truth all the time? And finally, I get them to the board where they finally had to answer, and they said, no. I said, now, now we can move forward. So the next question I have is, why is it that you don't tell the truth all the time? And it comes down, well, I don't want to hurt the person's feelings. Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to have bad feelings because you hurt their feelings. It's really all about you. That's why you don't tell the truth all the time. You're always covering for me. And the Lord is saying, you have to tell, we will, as a matter of fact, uh, Colossians tells us we ought to speak the truth to, every, uh, to, uh, to each one. We ought to tell the truth all the time. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're going to hang out with me, I don't have liars following me. See? All right. The question on the table is, what are you going to do in your uneasy, unexpected, and difficult position? I don't care what it is. Relational, financial, physical. What are you going to do with it? Don't whine about it because it's not going to go away. What are you going to do? The prodigal son assessed the situation, and he didn't, nobody, nobody really cared about him, you know. No one wanted to give anything to him, so he had to come to a decision. I, I, can't, I can't stay here. I'm better than this. Then we come to three, the resolution. Here's the resolution. There are three things we can glean from these verses. Have a clear, defined purpose. I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's my plan. That's what I'm proper preparation for most perfect performance. Says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to prepare myself and I'm going to say to my father, listen carefully what he's doing now. Listen carefully. Notice the order. He says, Father, I have sinned against what? And what? He says, I, spend, I have sinned spiritually and physically. And when we confess where we are, God can help you. Doctors can't help you until you tell them exactly where you're hurting, whatever the case may be. If you walk in there saying, you go to the doctor's office and say, well, how are things going? Oh, I'm doing okay, uh, you know, uh, under the circumstances, you know. And the doctor said, well, I need to find out what your circumstances are because you're in my office. Just say it like it is. I've sinned against God. Everything that happens in a believer's life is going to resonate in the spiritual world and then the physical world. 
And when, whenever folks come in for counseling, I want to find out where are you in your spiritual world because it's messing up your physical world. Now, if you understand this concept, you can help a lot of folks out because they like to talk about their physical world. This has happened to me, and that person don't like me, and all of it's physical. And they da, 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 and it goes on and on and on about the physical world. Ask them about the spiritual world. And all of a sudden, they say, oh, you're going to get religious on me now. Huh? You're gonna get, uh. And that's why with the saints, there's not a day that goes past where we permitted to dwell on the primary physical world, we're not, are not including God uh, in the spiritual world. He said, I sin against heaven or God and before you. Have a concise plan. Let's read it. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your highest servants. Now, he's rehearsing all of this. He hasn't said it yet. <laughs> but that's where, he's, that's where his thinking is. Do you think there's hope here? He, he says, hey, I'm not worthy. I messed up big time. And a lot of times those who come to you, when they come to you like this, don't throw a stone at them. Oh, you finally come around, huh? You see, you, you lost your mind and now you're going to come around. Now you're going to crawl. Well, they're already, they're already beaten and they just, they're looking for someone to affirm them. They don't need you to beat them down more. Well, I knew you were going to go that direction. That's why I told you not to do this. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do for a person is just keep your mouth shut. Even a, even a fool is considered wise, said Proverbs, when he keeps his mouth shut. It says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, then says, and here's his suggestion to his dad. He didn't say, will you restore me back to the family? He says, make me one of your hired servants. It's better than feed, eating pig stuff. I read it. I see how your servants eat. And they're, they're eating. Well, no. I, I, I want to be a servant. At least my stomach will be right there. But he did something else. Number three. Have a committed time mark for the process. Don't keep thinking about it. Do something. Remember talking about act? Act on it. And he arose and came to his father. He knew what he was going to say. He had a very contrite heart. Now do something about it. It's the folks who call into pity parties and don't do anything about it. So what are you going to do about it? This is going to happen. Boy, I'm going through this, and I'm going through Okay, okay, good. Now, what are you going to do about it? Okay. And he says, and the thing is, he arose, he got up, and he came. He decided to go to his father. I'm going home. <sighs> Did you notice through this whole storyline that the father basically didn't say anything? Matter of fact, he didn't say anything. The father's silent. Sometimes parents, uh, it hurts to watch our children do things. You, you, you want them to be smarter, but it's, they're not there yet. They're, they're still developing, so be patient with them, but they're not there yet. And, um, but at least one thing I like about this, notice how it stands out. He arose and he came, and he came to his what? Father. He says, at least I can go home. 
I will arise and go to my father. You know, some folks, uh, when they mess up uh, so bad, they don't even want to go home because they know it's going to get even worse. But he said, at least I know I can depend on the integrity of my father. And that I can come to daddy or mama and I can come to them and say, I messed up. And know that when I, when I come to them and know if nobody else wants anything to deal with me, I know mama or daddy thinks about me. Don't you know that you're on God's heart all the time? Then when you decide to be what you ought to be, that you don't have to go looking for him? He already have you in his sights. Omniscient. He knows everything. He sees you. He knows how much you can bear. But in his silence, he waits for you to do something. And sometimes, listen, good lesson for the parents too. Sometimes we become um, enablers. We keep butting in and not letting our children learn. Let them learn. They have to. They have to hit the bumps. They do, they're going to make uh, uh, immature decisions. Buying cars they can't pay for. They, they, they do things and because of the moment. That's how they're thinking. They're not stupid. They're just immature. There's a difference between stupidity and immaturity. The problem is when you treat the child like they're stupid, that's a reflection on you. That means you don't have understanding. Therefore, your son or your daughter can't rest on you because they can't trust you. No, I'm not going back home because I don't want to hear their voice. I'd rather sleep on the street. But he says, I'm going home to daddy. <laughs> I know where he's at. His approach was humble. His attitude, he expressed what he wanted. His action, he put it in motion, his desire, put in motion his desire and choice. In the environment of the hard place, wishes are not adequate for nor beneficial. Let's read it together. In the environment of the hard place, wishes are not adequate or nor beneficial. Well, I wish I didn't. I wish I was not in this situation. Then get up and go home. I want to hear any more wishes. Get up and go. Just do it. I still remember the message way back to Rayfield Benton. Admit that mess. And I just I had to write him, let him know. I still remember that that uh, I don't know all the content. I just I know those words. Just do it. And this resonated in my soul. Well, we come down to the last one. You've been very patient. The renewal. When we talk about the renewal, it says, And the son said to, to him, the father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't that what he rehearsed? 
He didn't, he didn't change the words of Al. I've sinned, Father. I messed up on you. And when you look at the storyline uh, earlier, and I didn't put all the whole story in there, where the father saw him coming from afar off. The son didn't run to the father. The father ran to the son and embraced him. Daddy was waiting all the time. <laughs> Isn't that great? Eating that pig food, knowing that daddy waiting for you all the time, and you could have been eating much better and living much better, and the only reason that it ha didn't happen because you didn't choose to get up and do the right thing. But the father said to him, there's that conjunction with a function, love it. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. One thing that happens when a person comes back to you, you don't have to go back over all that he, went, he or she went through. <laughs> let it go. What did I just say? This, let it go. You see, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all, all righteousness. And he's saying, let it go. I knew you were going to mess up on me the moment I saved you. But when you come back to me, I'll be faithful and just. And notice the faithful and just father. Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. And put a ring on his finger. That, that, that ring on the finger is uh, put him back into his position, ownership. You never lost your position as a son. You just left the place, but not your position. Whenever you mess up on God, you don't, you don't lose your position. You're just, out, you're just in the wrong place. God still loves you. He still wants to do great things in your life. And the only thing that keeps that from happening, you keep making the wrong decisions that keep you in a hard place. Put sandals on his feet. Daddy cleaned them up, huh? And bring the fatted calf here and, and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. Let's go forward, not look backwards. And for this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they Became, began to be merry. Kill the calf. Why? What an occasion. I want, want you to think about something for, for a moment um, as we look at this. As he was met with four significant things. First, acknowledgement. Affection. You've heard these words, right? Approval and attention. He didn't get that in the far place. But in a firm relationship, you can rest assured that God's going to do four things in your life because you're, you're geared for that. Acknowledgement, you're his. Affection, because he loved you. Approval and attention. 
our tanks need to be filled. And uh, I used to bring the situations out of marriage situation where individuals, uh, where there's a situation where um, uh, the husband went with another woman and this lady was beautiful that came for constantly, beautiful. And she was saying, I know what I look like. And the lady that he went to, you should see what he, she looked like. I said, like, because you know what? You didn't look at the physical. Then I told her, what you didn't give him with the acknowledgement, affection, approval, and attention. That other lady that you may classify as um, not that fair or ugly, whatever you want to use, at least she gave him acknowledgement, affection, approval, and attention in gangs. The reason they, they would stay better be in a gang than being at home because they'll get acknowledgement, affection, approval, and attention. So tell them to leave the game. They won't leave. They have to give it up. And they won't. And the father for the son, when, he, when the father threw his arms around him and kissed him, ah, what a moment. He might have lost his, his goods that was given to him, and he might have lost some good time, but not daddy. He still had enough time to spend with daddy, who loved him. Lost people or things are not forgotten, only separated. Let's say it together. Lost people or things are not forgotten, only separated. If you come into my house and you find something, oh, boy, look what I found. No, 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 you found it. No, I was separated from it. I know where it was, but still mine. Give me what belongs to me. You don't find something in my house. What made you think that it was lost in the first place? You were looking at something and claimed something, but you didn't find it. You see, it might have been displaced. So he grabs him, and he holds his son. He kissed his son. His son is back, back in his arms, back in the environment. If we did the prodigal son from the father's position, there's a whole new sermon itself. From the father's position, it, you know, he, oh, the son was gone, but now that child that I raised, and yes, he wanted to do his own thing, he's back home now. And he's saying, Daddy, <laughs> I, I want to be one of your servants. And the father, so grateful and so filled, and all those days of waiting, was worth it all. Whoever you have given up on, don't give up. They need to go to their hard places. But when they come to themselves, can they depend on you to be there for them? The hard place. And if you're in a hard place right now, if there's some things that you find yourself into and you, you find yourself challenged with, don't you understand you have a heavenly father who El Roy, he sees everything that goes on? Omniscient, he knows. 
omnipresent. He's everywhere. That he loves you. That he mapped out your whole eternity. That's mind-boggling. Forgive me, I'll, I'll shut up in a few seconds. Something happened here. They were talking about the earth. And, um, and so I decided to um, uh, look at this uh, in the area of the astronomy and start looking at the planets. And they started talking about the various sized planets. And I, was, and I said, wow. And when, by the time they finished with earth, just with earth, it was, if you can see the speck that I'm holding in my, my, under my finger, then that's what earth was compared to all the other planets which were larger, larger. And all of that's hanging out in space in one solar system. And God created it all. And through all of this, God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son past all of the planets and past all of the, the space. He loved you. And do you think that because you're acting immature and crazy at times that he'll drop you? How much he paid for you? He loves us too much. We're not home yet. And praise the Lord that his tears are tears of joy. Amen. Then looking at his son in a casket and he's dead. Amen. Loss of opportunities. He's home. The young man came back from what type of place? What type of place? If any of you right now this morning find yourself in a hard place. If you're not in it now, you probably will go through. If you, if you live for the Lord, you're going to wind up in a hard place. If you go against the Lord, you're going to wind up in a hard, you're going to wind up in a hard place. <laughs> but when you're in a hard place, at least say, I'm better than this. And do something about it. Amen? I think I talked your ears off uh, here. So one last thing. So you know that we come to the end of it. And this uh, one last thing is this. The way to survive and benefit from the hard place is to deny yourself. Position yourself under the will of God. And commit yourself to establish a new normal in all that you do, think, and say. Isn't that what the prodigal son said? I'm willing to be, Father, come back. I'll just be a servant. Dad said, no, you're not going to be all that. Get that boy a robe and get him a ring and put some sandals on his feet. That boy has royalty here. He said, and you servants, that's what you're going to do for him. And then after you do all of that for him, after you cleaned him up and all the other things, then get the fatted calf because we're going to have a party. And then finally the young man says to himself, oh, you'll probably come to yourself and say, I'm better than this. I can step out of my hard place into the will of God and know that I'm safe. So deny yourself, 
position yourself under the will of God and commit yourself to establish a new normal in all that you do, think, and say. My prayer for you and for me, Lord, keep me in your will. That the hard place is not because of bad decisions. It's because you want to develop me. Like the Hebrew boys, it wasn't for bad decisions. God wanted to make a difference in their world. My prayer is that we say, Lord, help me to get there. If we bow in prayer, and, and Lord probably have, Lord spoke to your heart in that area, I'd like to pray for you. That's why I have you to stand. Well, you stand every Sunday. I'm tired of standing. Well, okay. Uh, uh, even if you just raise your hand, just the mere fact of acknowledge the hard place. <sighs> Let's bow in prayer. Father God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the saints of God. Thank you for your word and what it has to say. A young man who was a little bit brash with his father didn't say thank you, probably didn't say thank you when he left with all the goods. Messed up his life. Hit the wall. But one thing that he did carry with him, confidence that his daddy would do better with him than where he's at, he was at. And he went back to daddy. And his confidence was not a disappointment. His daddy ran to him, hugged him, kissed him, cleaned him up, had a banquet. Isn't that just like you, Father? You're not willing that any man should perish. But all would come to repentance. You never intended for man to go to the lake of fire. They don't know that they're in a hard place. And they need to come home. They need to come to you. Those who are not saved to admit that they're a sinner. They can't save themselves. That Jesus Christ died for their sins to turn away, Lord, and ask this Jesus to save them. I pray, Lord that the difference will be made this day. That the place that we will be standing in is not the hard place, but the happy place, the victorious place, the joyful place, the fulfilling place that's only in you. Thank you for what you're gonna do in these dear lives. Thank you for those who needed to hear this morning. Help them record it in their hearts, Lord, and you'll feed it back to them at the appropriate time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen.